Shabbat Shalom. So I mentioned earlier that today is a special Shabbat. It's called Shabbat Zachor, the Shabbat of remembering. And it is the Shabbat that always falls right before Purim. And we have special readings, which we read today. One is the Maftir, where we get the word. The reason why it's called Shabbat Zachor is because the opening reading from Deuteronomy 25 begins with those words. Zachor et asher asalecha Amalek. Remember what Amalek did to you on the road as you were coming out of Egypt. How he met you by the road, attacked those in the rear, those who were exhausted and straggling behind when you were tired and weary. He did not fear God. And therefore, Adonai, your God, has given you rest from all of your surrounding enemies in the land of Adonai, your God, is giving you as your inheritance to possess. You are to blot out all memory of Amalek from under heaven. Al tishkach, lo tishkach, don't forget. The concept of zachor, of remembering, doesn't just mean, oh, remember so that you don't forget. The command to remember is grounded in God's acts in history. And the Bible often commands Israel to remember these redemptive acts. Because the idea of remembering is actually a command to do this, right? It says, remember to do this so because God did that. You understand? So the reason why we remember is we remember to do this because God did that. It is not just a recollection, but an embracement of our covenantal obligations. According to Brevard Childs, memory plays a central role in making Israel constantly aware of the nature of God's benevolent acts as well as her own covenantal pledge. Therefore, when Israel is told, for example, to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, or when Yeshua tells his disciples to do this in remembrance of me, this remembrance is a covenantal act. By doing, we remember. And this is important. This tells us that the command to remember what Amalek did is itself a covenantal act and serves as a reminder of something greater. It reminds us of God's acts of deliverance. So what is it exactly that we're supposed to remember? We're commanded to remember what the Amalekites did to us. So who are the Amalekites? The Amalekites were a semi-nomadic people group who lived along the fringes of southern Canaan's agricultural zone. The Amalekites are named after their ancestor, Amalek, who was the son of Eliphaz and Timnah. And Eliphaz was, a, was the son of Esau, of Esav. So the Amalekites are descendants of Esav, who himself was at odds, right, with his brother Jacob. According to Exodus 17, the whole community of Israel left the Sin Desert and traveling in stages as Adonai had ordered, and they camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink, and the people began quarreling with Moshe, demanding, give us water to drink. But Moshe replied, why pick a fight with me? Why are you testing Adonai? However, the people were thirsty for water there and grumbled against Moshe. And picking back up in verse 8, Then Amalek came and fought with the people of Israel at Rephidim. Moshe said to Yehoshua, Choose men for us and go out and fight with Amalek. 
Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with God's staff in my hand. Yehoshua did as Moshe had told him, and he fought with Amalek. Then Moshe, Aharon, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. When Moshe raised his hand, Israel prevailed. But when he let it down, Amalek prevailed. We've all heard this story before, right? However, Moshe's hands, his arms began to grow heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down. And Aharon and Hur held up his arms, the one on one side and the one on the other, so that as his hands stayed steady until sunset. And thus Yehoshua defeated Amalek, putting the people to the sword. And Adonai said to Moshe, write this in a book to be remembered and tell it to Yehoshua. I will completely blot out any memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moshe built an altar called Adonai Nisi, because Adonai is my banner or he's my miracle. It means both things. And said, because their hand was against the throne of Yah, Adonai will fight Amalek generation after generation. And that's exactly what happens generation after generation. When we were at our most vulnerable time, Amalek attacked us, even though we were family, even though we were related. According to Deuteronomy 25, 18, they met us by the road, attacked those in the rear, those who were exhausted and straggling behind when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. And this is the problem that God then has with Amalek. To understand what remembering Amalek exactly means and what it has to do with Purim, we need to return to our special Haftarah reading this morning, which was from 1 Samuel 15, in which we remember King Saul's battle with King Agag and the Amalekites of his day. We also have to remember that Saul's disobedience by not completely wiping out the Amalekites and their possessions and keeping King Agag alive. Because of Saul's disobedience, according to 2 Samuel chapter 1, there were other skirmishes with the Amalekites, and it was one of these battles with, which, uh, with the Amalekites that he was fatally wounded and then ultimately killed by a young Amalekite. So because we didn't finish them off then, and over and over again, we don't follow in the ways of God, the Amalekites continue to be a problem for the Jewish people. And Saul, because he left the king Agag alive and didn't destroy the people, God used the people to destroy Saul. Saul ultimately died by the people he was commanded to kill. I know that seems difficult, and you know, but this is what's going on. As they usually say, what goes around comes around, right? And in this case, because Saul didn't destroy the Amalekites, the Amalekites destroyed him. So what is the connection to Purim? Why is this always read right before Purim? According to Megillat Estel, according to the scroll of Esther, Achar Hadvarim Ha'ele, sometime later, King Ahasuerus began to single out Haman, the son of Hamadatta, the Agagite, for advancement. Eventually, he gave him precedence over all his fellow officers. Haman, the chief villain of the Purim story, is a descendant of Agag, right? This is the same Agag that Shaul left alive. 
Haman, therefore, was a descendant of the Amalekites, and therefore Purim is not just a deliverance from Haman, the individual, but a deliverance from Amalek. So part of our remembering Amalek is directly tied to our observance of Purim and why we read these special portions on the Shabbat before Purim. Because they're a reminder that we're, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but powers that are even greater than we can possibly understand. And that Purim is not just a struggle with Haman, and it's not just a struggle that we have in a particular place of Persia. It's a struggle that we have over and over and over again in every single generation. Over time, Amalek, in Jewish understanding, became associated not only with the specific people mentioned in the Torah, but represented all of those who hate the Jewish people and try to destroy us. Therefore, as much as I would like to say that Amalek was defeated with Purim, the story just simply becomes part of the long history of anti-Semitism, of people wanting to destroy us. The spirit of Amalek is alive and well, and sadly is increasing in strength in recent years. According to the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, the number of anti-Semitic incidents was nearly 60% higher in 2017 than, than it was just a year earlier in 2016. The largest single year increase on record and the second highest number reported since the ADL started tracking incident data in the 1970s. The sharp rise was in part due to a significant increase in incidents in schools and on college campuses, which nearly doubled for the second year in a row. There were 1,986 anti, at least recorded, <laughs> recorded anti-Semitic incidents reported across the United States in 2017. These included physical assaults, vandalism, and attacks on Jewish institutions. That figure represents a 57% increase over the 1,200 incidents in 2016. Every part of the country was affected. Listen to this. Every part of the country was affected with an incident reported last year in all 50 states for the first time in at least a decade. Every single state had a recorded incident of anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is on the rise, and we need to be even more vigilant in fighting it. I wish I could tell you that it's going away, but it's not. And therefore... Our discussion of Amalek, to remember what Amalek did to you, is just as relevant today as any other time in history. It's a timely discussion because of the challenges of anti-Semitism. And it's difficult because when we talk about anti-Semitism, like with all other forms of racism or hatred or prejudice, that there are overt and discrete forms. It's one thing, like we had to deal with in the 20s, the 30s, and the 40s when we couldn't be members of country clubs and stuff like this, so we started our own. But it also has to do with little comments that people make and the stereotypes that keep getting presented over and over and over again. Our culture is so permeated with these toxins of hate that so many people may not even actually realize that they harbor anti-Semitic feelings. Or, or repeat subtle anti-Semitic tropes. Frustratingly, I have even heard well-meaning people within our own congregation repeat some of these things, 
why is it, I'm just going to tell you a few things I've heard since I've been here in the last few months. Why do you people always care about money? Or why are Jews always so hypocritical? These are things that come from us, and I love you. But it makes those of us who are Jewish very uncomfortable. And it means in a synagogue, which by its very definition should be a place that we should feel safe. And often Messianic congregations, the reason why you don't find as many Jews as you would expect in Messianic congregations is because we are always on the defensive. It should be the place that we're not on the defensive and we always are. We also have to deal with not just overt anti-Semitism, but supersessionism and all its subtleties. This idea which has affected and permeated so much of the body of Messiah to the point that we don't even recognize it, which has led so many Christian theologians who are not Jewish, not Messianic, not part of, you know, to call for a radical reformation of Christian theology because there's no part of Christian theology that is not affected by supersessionism. Not, what I'm not saying is that it's all terrible and all that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it means we have to really dig deep. It doesn't, it, it calls for, um, as R. Kendall Solon says in his book, The God of Israel and Christian Theology, it, re, it, it calls for not just simply repudiating anti-Semitism, to just simply say, well, we believe in God's purposes for Israel and the Jewish people, because there are people who make those claims who don't even realize, and then they kept re, keep repeating a lot of supersessionist tropes. We really have to deal with all of this because it affects it. You might think that what we believe or what we say or what we do has no impact, but we have to keep being reminded of history. Hatred and all forms of racism don't just appear out of nowhere. That there is a little current of things that people just stoke, right? Things like the, the march in Virginia, the at the University of Virginia, didn't just happen out of nowhere, right? The rise in anti-Semitism didn't just happen out of nowhere. These currents are there, and then they get stoked. And it's our job to fight against it. So what can you do? Because on this forum, this is the struggle. This is the challenge that we are being presented with. We need to do serious self-introspection to wonder how we, whether you're Jewish or not, have carried on these stereotypes that have been placed upon us. We need to speak up, not just against overt forms of racism and anti-Semitism, but even the little subtle things. When somebody makes a joke or when somebody makes a little comment, I hate it, and I always say it because people don't even realize what they say. That's what's so crazy. One of my own nephews made a comment about like, oh, he Jewed me out. He was just in casual conversations like, oh, he Jewed me out of this. I was like, do you realize what you're saying? Like you're, like, because we don't even think about what we say. We just use these tropes over and over and over and over again. And I really challenged him on it. Like, you of all people shouldn't be using this kind of language, right? If you are not Jewish, then you are a key ally in this fight, especially if you're a part of this community. Hatred in all its forms ultimately affects us all. 
I am reminded of the famous quote by Martin Niemöller, who was a prominent Lutheran pastor in Germany. He emerged as an outspoken public foe of Adolf Hitler and spent the last seven years of Nazi rule in concentration camps. He is perhaps best remembered for these words. First, they came for the socialists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I was not a trade uni unionist. And then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. This is why it matters. You might think that it's easy to get away with, oh, I like worshiping among Jews and everything, but there's no real, I have no real skin in the game. Actually, we all have skin in the game. When people hate you, whether it's because you're Jewish, whether because you're black, whatever, whatever reason, what socioeconomic class, whatever, politics right now are going to probably kill us. And I don't mean that just casually. I mean physically, people are hurting one another over politics. My challenge to you are the same words Mordecai challenged Esther with. Don't suppose that merely because you happen to be in the royal palace you will escape any more than any other Jews. For if you fail to speak up now, relief and deliverance will come to the Jews from a different direction, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows whether you didn't come into your royal position precisely for such a time as this. Don't suppose that you can hide behind excuses. Don't suppose that you can hide behind status. Don't suppose that you can hide behind whatever excuse that you want to make why you don't have to speak up. My six-year-old son, Gilad, is the one who reminded me of the, the wise wisdom, the sagely advice of the onceler in Dr. Seuss's The Lorax. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. Perhaps you have been chosen for such a time as this. And at this time of Shabbat Zachor, we must remember Amalek and what he did to us. Shabbat Shalom. So let's... Let's rise as we close our service with the words of the Eleni. Aleinu l'shabeach la'adon ha'kol L'atet gedula le'otzer breshit Sh'lo asanu k'goye ha'aratzot V'lo samanu k'mishpachot ha'adama Sh'lo sam chelkenu kahem V'gor aleinu k'chol ha'monam Vanachnu korim umishtachavim umodim Lifne melech macheham lachim Hakadosh baruchu Therefore God also highly exalted Messiah and gave him the name that is above every name 
so that at the name belonging to Yeshua, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Yeshua the Messiah is Adonai to the glory of God the Father. Bayom hahu, bayom hahu, ye Adonai echad. Ushemo, ushemo, ushemo echad. I now want to invite those who are in mourning and those observing a yard site to remain standing with the words of the mourner's Kaddish. Yitkadal v'yitkadash shemei rabah v'elma divrach yiruteh v'yamlich mochuteh v'yitzmach porkaneh v'yikarem shichay v'chayachon v'yomechon uv'chayeh d'chol beit Yisrael Next slide. Amen. <laughs> Damiran Amen. Amen. Shalom Bimromav, Hu Shalom, Amen. May he who makes peace in the heavenly realms make peace for all of us, for all of Israel and all the nations of the world, and let us say. Amen. All right, you may be seated, and if you'll pull out your bulletins for lots of wonderful, awesome things we have going on in the congregation. Wasn't that a great homily that Barbara gave this morning? Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right, we have lots of fun things coming up. So um, what slides do we have, Peyton? Okay, if you haven't already picked up your tax receipt for your um, donations for 2018, there's a box on the back table. Be sure to take a look in there. And, um, oh, we have a Torah study today, a Beit Midrash, and it's going to be taught for the first time by our very own Ryan Tipple. Yay! So join Ryan upstairs. Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah, and, and be encouraging, and I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful Torah study. So 1.30 or 1.45? 1.45, upstairs in the Derso Brown Room. All right. And this coming Wednesday is our Purim Megillah reading and study. So Rabbi Joshua will be leading this, this study about Purim. It'll be here next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Um, no costumes required. <laughs> For yeah, it's going to be more informal. For Wednesday evening. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be more informal. Yeah, so just a casual study of Purim. Um, should, should they bring, are we going to do the reading? Should they bring groggers? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bring so if you have groggers for the but McGillis it's not going to be our big our big celebration, right. which will be Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we will read the whole McGillis. It will be the guns of McGillis. Yeah. Guns of McGillis. Okay. All right. And our Helping Hands Ministry has a lunch coming up to feed people in need, and that's going to be on March 22nd. You can go on our Beth Emunah website to actually help sponsor lunches for some of these people. It's going to be at The Habit, uh, March 22nd at 1130. So hope you can even come out and join us there. Have lunch that day. All right. Um, and our Purim celebration is going to be such a blast. It's going to be next Saturday evening here at 6 o'clock. So here's some important things you need to know about what's going to be happening next Saturday. First of all, after the Shabbat service, there's not going to be an oneg, okay? So, um, and the doors are going to close here, like around 2 o'clock. There won't be any classes that afternoon because there are people who are going to be getting this place ready for the Purim celebration that will be starting at 6 o'clock. So that afternoon, in fact, if, you, um, if you're not getting your Seder tickets today, next Saturday afternoon would be a great time to go to the the table back there and get your Seder tickets because there's not going to be anything else going on after the service. So we'll be shooing everybody out of here by 2 o'clock, go have some lunch, and then come back at 6 o'clock all in your 50s outfits and come hungry because there's going to be a barbecue here and it's going to be a fundraiser to raise money for the um, children's programs. So there'll be hamburgers and hot dogs and veggie burgers. So come hungry and ready to have fun, 50s style, next Saturday night. Um, also, you know, we announced last Shabbat that we're going to have a Hamantaschen bake-off. And nobody has signed up yet for the Hamantaschen bake-off. So, I mean, we will have some Hamantaschen one way or another, but, you know, we can't really have a competition unless we have at least two people sign up. So, so if you want to be part of the Hamantaschen bake-off, and there will be prizes, be sure to sign up for that. Okay, let me see. Um, I think that was all about Purim. And the Walk to End Genocide. Props, props, yes. All right. So the Walk to End Genocide is coming up quickly. It's going to be on Sunday, April 7th, and it's sponsored by Jewish World Watch. We'll be joining with the um, Jewish community to do that. Last year, Beth Emunah was the number one fundraiser, thanks to all of you reaching out to other people. This year, we are far from being the number one fundraiser, but we still have a few weeks. So reach out to people, um, you know, your friends, your neighbors, your family members, and ask them to help support the Beth Amunah team for this very important cause, as, as we heard Rabbi Joshua talk about today. You know, anti-Semitism is alive and well, unfortunately, and genocide is still happening in parts of the world. So we want to be part of bringing that to an end. Yes, do not stand idly by. What else do we have? So our community Passover Seder is coming up, and that's Brett's cue to come on up here. Shabbat Shalom. Well, it is our Beth Emunah Passover Seder, and it is happening April 20th at 6 p.m. Uh, as you can see, we have tickets on sale. They're going to go on sale today. Um, yes, for the next four weeks. Now, everybody realized uh, past Seders, we've had six weeks. 
but we only have four weeks to sign up. Uh, registration will close on April 8th. So let me give you a couple of the details. Uh, $55 for adults, and you have your choice of chicken, salmon, or a vegetarian dish. Uh, it'll be $20 uh, for, uh, for children 3 to 11. Anybody under 3, of course, is free. Um, you can also uh, sign up here. You can sign up at the website. Um, there is a $2.75 charge, I believe, and uh, that to, for the uh, purpose of using the website. Uh, the first 10 tables will be uh, um, filled first, and then we'll start filling uh, as we need. Uh, we're going to have Melanie and Nancy, who, by the way, are the Seder committee, and they're the ones putting this together. They will be in the back. Uh, yes, give them a hand. Yeah, that's a lot of work. It really is. Um, they're going to be they're going to be in the in the back at a table, so you can sign up starting today. Let's see if I am, am missing anything. Uh, this is on a first come first serve basis. I noticed there are already a couple tables that are being uh, filled up, and like I said, uh, just make sure this is at the same uh, place that we had last year at the Los Robles Golf Course. Uh, so uh, it was really a fantastic time, and uh, looking forward to having everyone there. I think I huh scholarships. That's right. That's why I'm up here. Scholarships. Okay, we do need scholarships. So if anybody uh, feels led to help out somebody who cannot afford uh, the Seder meal, please uh, also you have the availability of doing that as well, both uh, at the back and online as well. You can uh, sign up any, any kind of scholarship that you can. Any money uh, can, be, uh, can be donated right on either, on either side, either online or here at the... Uh, at the uh, at the uh, synagogue. So, thank you. Yep. Yes. Okay. There will be child care. Absolutely. Okay. Right. Yeah, and it's in the same room that it was last year. Yeah, they put it right right off the uh, right off the side of the uh, the main hall. So every you know it's they're very close and uh, very uh, accessible. So, Great. all right, cool. So one other thing related to the Seder is that we're looking for great potato kugel recipes. In fact, on March 30th, we're going to have a, a potato kugel bake-off. Maybe we'll have more people signing up for that than the Hummantaschen bake-off. But anyway, um, we're, looking, we're looking for the best potato kugel. And the best potato kugel, that's the recipe that will be used for our Passover Seder. So March 30th, bring your potato kugel. Oh, it's not May 30th. It's March 30th. Okay. So bring, bring your best um, potato kugel so that we can sample it. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. We make a mistake now and then. Right? Forgiveness, right? We just heard about that recently. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I have two announcements. Uh, the men's dance for the Passover is fantastic. It's called uh, On Your Walls, O Jerusalem. It's a powerful men's dance. Um, Ron's not here to lead it. We're going to have rehearsal. Ben Morales and I will be um, rehearsing it with you guys uh, after Oneg today. And then the Torah clubs. I emailed 10 men uh, applications for the Torah Club. And the way things are looking, with an additional two, we might have 12 men, in, in, if everybody signs up, in our Torah Club. And we're going to have an introductory meeting 
on Shabbat of April 13th. We'll just uh, talk about the, the format and, and details. So we'll be ready to hit the ground with our first meeting on April 24th. So uh, there's still time to sign up for the men and also for the women. Uh, Lydia's leading a, a woman's study, woman's Torah club the same day. We're gonna watch the video here and then break off into our, our different groups to go over the focus questions. So if you're interested, sign up in the back on the clipboard. Thanks. And Paul, is that, is that um, pre-meeting for both the men and the women's groups or is that just the men's group? Yeah, it'll be, uh, I'll, I'll both. have it for both. Okay, good, thank you. All right, that's all the announcements. Shabbat Shalom. Great, and uh, as a reminder, you wanna take home your bulletins because I know all of us can't remember everything that was just said, but it's all in your bulletins, okay? All right, so you can just skip through the rest of this. All right, so let's close with, uh, let's rise and close with the Aaronic benediction. And in the book of Numbers, God tells Moses to tell Aaron and his sons that when you bless my people, these are the words that I want you to say. Yeah, <laughs> Adonai